For episode 300, I thought we would spend the balance of the program counting down the top 300 Darth tweets of all time. Mm, have you put, put together like a, a super cut where you've recorded them for us? No. I can drop in here. I was just going to pick the one about potatoes. <laughs> I do like the one where, um, this, is, this isn't in my prepared statements, but there was one where in Idaho, there was like a highway traffic incident where um, like a, a semi-truck full of potatoes uh, overturned and he had a picture of, so it was Darth with a, wearing a mask and also a golden retriever wearing a mask that were in the pile of potatoes. And I don't remember any of the context other than that, but I do remember it being absolutely delightful. It sounds like a new story that Darth would be on top of. <laughs> I feel like it was like one of those like holiday slow weekend things. And <laughs> that's good. That's kind of when he shines, but mm-hmm. actually it's not what we're going to talk about, but I do think the top Darth tweet is, I think it was one of his like, pre uh hibernation um tweet storms but it's the one where there's that vine from a long time ago of that shiba inu dancing to toto's africa that's kind of mm-hmm. that's probably the best one yeah but anyway i i kid so our our first this is episode 300 i don't know mm-hmm. where the time went yeah. yeah i appreciate that you're much more excited than i am or, or you're much so it's 9 10 p.m and i and i am um uh, two winks away from bedtime, but um, it's been seven years since. Yeah, so uh, I I was gonna actually gonna spring a little pop quiz on you here, and I I didn't know the answer. I I had to just look it up now. So we I think had a handful of episodes we did that only live on my Synology and nowhere else. They they were not made um, public. You haven't released uh, those to the Patreon people. I, not yet. No, no, no. Um, that's that's for um, TC Plus coming next year mm-hmm. um so our first published episode uh when do you think that was july 7th 2014 because i googled this fucking 20 minutes ago uh, close yeah july Wait, 23rd july 23rd 2014 yeah yeah so i mean that was our first netcast or broadcast or podcast or whatever people were calling it back then i don't know feels feels like a long time ago but also i don't know where where did, where did all the time go and our first, our first five show titles were <laughs> Ace in the Sleeve, uh-huh. The George Clooney of Uber, mm-hmm. Insert It Upside Down, We'll Edit This Out in Post, and A Whole Lot of Bezel. I believe this was in the era when you were trying to swindle the listeners and you, tried to, you kept trying to break up episodes into two parts. So we did that. Yeah, I'm looking at that now, too. So we did that. Pretty early on, episodes four and five were a two-parter, mm-hmm. and then episodes fourteen and fifteen were as well. I, mean, that's, I that, think we may have only done it those two times. Though. I mean, that, that, now that's some that's some revisionist uh, George Lucas stuff. You're trying to you're trying to get people's money twice. <laughs> well, that was back back when I cared that one of these came out every week, and then. <laughs> You know, over time, that's become oh, now we don't less of a priority. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We don't we don't care if it's not always infrastructure week. Yeah. That's right. Um, are you the Joe Mansion? So, mm. Mm, yeah, um, that was unfair. I'm sorry. Um, so the one thing I did, so I was doing some cursory googling for this. I actually don't. I I don't know. I feel like episodes 100 and 200, we actually gave a lot of effort into like some type of retrospective aspect of it. But time did has we? no meaning. 
but time i remember like one of those episodes i forced us to do a um like interview style thing and i knew it I remember, I remember being very uh, ham-fisted, but... Well, so episode 100, February 1st, 2017, titled Sports and Old Age, checks out. <laughs> it hasn't <laughs> changed a bit. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah, the, the, the description seems to indicate that we were pretty focused on it being episode 100. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're right there. So then episode 200, oh... Mm. is mm, this hurts uh, title no tip and i I suspect this is this is that that episode i i think probably oh that's good yeah that that was the one where everybody got to hear that you're a bad person oh man Look so wait, 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 actually, I, I could probably tell by the, yeah, that, yeah, that was, that was it. I can tell by the date. Wait, did you think there was another context where you had a story about not tipping when you should have? <laughs> I hope um, not. Looking at these uh, titles, I, I can, I'll, I can immediately tell which ones were me. So episode 99, the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego. Yeah, that sounds like something dumb I would say. Yeah, when the titles got good, that was, that was when you took over. Yeah. That's true. That's not my not my forte. You, you know, you open logic. You don't know left from right, up from down. No, but again, it's all I, it's always like I I have I pay for Creative Cloud, and anytime I open Logic, which I don't remember why, how or when I bought it, it it's stuck in that thing that has the metronome, and I don't know what to do with it. And I just close Command Q. Um. So the one thing of in in early episodes that I did <laughs> want to mention that I feel like sorry, not that our show has. I don't want to say hasn't aged well because I feel like that term makes it sound like our show was problematic at one point in time. And I feel like we haven't been. I feel like we, we our stuff, it's gotten better over time, but I don't think there's any, any stuff that is like, uh, I don't think we're like a friends where there's a lot of content that it, it passes 1990s muster, but doesn't pass 2020s. But I think that's right. Yeah. I forget what episode this was. I copied this episode description. I feel like this kind of epitomizes everything. So. Uh, after spending a couple of weeks in the safe, wait, what? Oh, oh this, is, <laughs> uh, this is definitely back when you were writing them. Uh, in the safe haven of Apple News, Ryan Carlos branched out a bit in this week's episode. They discuss ESPN's suspension of Bill Simmons. Wow, it's mm. old. The NFL's future as America's most popular sport, unfortunately, still true. The BlackBerry pla- Passport, don't know what that is. Hmm. The problem with the Verge's product reviews, fair. Mm-hmm. Beats rumored integration to iTunes, RDO versus Spotify, the Pebbles new firmware. Took mm. it legitimately took me a minute to understand what a Pebble was, and I was like, "Oh, there was that one, that like early precursor smartwatch. Yeah, that was like an it was like a Kindle, but not very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the UPS's new 3D printing service. Don't know what that is. And then uh, Ryan's first week with the iPhone six. Ugh. Uh, third-party keyboards in iOS 8, and Tim Cook interview with Charlie Rose. And Charlie Rose has since been canceled. So, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that kind of... It's been a long seven years. So, I guess what I wanted to cover was what are what are the persistent themes of our show? And what were our some that maybe have died out? Mm. So, I, so I, I, I can tee this up with a couple of them. So okay. 
I feel like it has been, and we're, we're, we'll circle back to this, but I feel like smart home stuff has always been a focus yes. of this show. Mm-hmm. And oddly, and, and we'll get back to it, but I feel like honestly hasn't actually changed that much in that amount of time. It's still bad. May, they say it may, it may have gotten worse, what one, mm-hmm. one could say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think smart uh, uh, smart water, sparkling water was a uh, a latecomer to the show. It was, yeah. But one thing that we used to talk about, like looking through the episode summaries, uh, we used to talk about rideshare companies a lot. I was going to say Uber was like, that was our, we were like pre-Mike Isaac on the, on the Uber beat there. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, Pre-Mike Isaac. No, I, I think, I think nothing's pre-Mike Isaac. I think he's been the um most persistent thorn in uh Travis Kalanick's side in throughout all the time. I don't I don't think we we even are on the radar, but yeah, absolutely. Like we 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 do stuck like cuz back in the old days this was like and I, and I remember this vividly when we were talking about it last week when we were talking about Disney um and the whole Genie Plus thing is that like there used to be stories every other week about people getting mad that like it's New Year's Eve and surge pricing was like seven X whatever. And now I don't like and now that both Lyft and Uber are public, they're like the rideshare industry is very very staid and, and plain boring. But yeah, the rideshare wars in the past were used to be used to be hot stuff. Yeah, there were there it was all I remember it was always like outside lands where you'd get that breathless article of you know somebody being charged 141 dollars to go from golden gate park to the mission or something well yeah but just just walk <laughs> get brunch at zazi and just go go have a have a nice time um also outside lands eh, kind of two thumbs down to that you, you can you can go smell weed for free somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so rideshare has fallen out of favor or or it's just not something that we talk about anymore, but I don't, I don't remember if sparkling water was always a fixture of the show, but I feel like it was, it was definitely a, a back nine type it, thing or when it came it, into its own. It's been around for a while, but the whole still or sparkling, you know, thing has, has not been around since the beginning. It's been around for a couple of years maybe, but. Yeah, it wasn't there early on. I feel like it got more concentrated when uh, we discovered Spindrift, and I don't remember if it was me or you first. You were you were the Spindrift guy, I but think. I don't. But then I I'm not somebody who likes new things, so I don't. I can't imagine myself trying something unknown. Hmm. I but don't I, think but it I, was me though. Yeah, but I do remember the time that I went to an Amazon ghost store, and you down to the flavor. We're able to guess what I bought there, and that was very, very concerning. It was a a, a good moment in our friendship. Yeah. Um. But then, yeah. Well, what are, what are our other persistent topics? I mean, well, Apple, I mean, Apple doesn't count. No, Apple doesn't count. No, no, no. Um, I feel like sports has always been a part of this show. That's on the you list. Know, like and, you in in episode on the show summary, I I uh, was looking at like the one that the. So I pulled, I like, I scrolled through like the last three pages of our show archives. And one of them was about Pablo Sandoval's retirement. I was like, wow. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, you know, there's been the constant thing of you like mostly understanding sports, but not mm-hmm. understanding the finer details. Um, 
you know, that I mean, sort of thing. I mean, I, I take the Evander Kane school of um, <laughs> NHL's canceled for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, had an, I had another one I was thinking of. Oh, um, another theme of the show is, is you know, my, my recurring bit about you knowing, you know, like 18% of everything where... Why does the number keep going down? That's... <laughs> I feel like you you have you have like you have something in actually this is a random question and this is an aside from anything else on your Mac where do you keep random information like do you have like a notes app I I use I use the notes app it's gotten it's gotten it's gotten really good are you preparing for like a public apology because that that is that is the purpose of the notes app is that you you're about to be canceled and you need to apologize for something and you need to upload a screenshot that has kind of do, does the notes app on ios still have kind of that fake paper texture in the background yeah, really that's been the hallmark sort of, these, of yeah that's that's the i'm on twitter and <laughs> like i'm i'm allison roman and i'm getting canceled because i said something and anyway um so okay. yeah there, there's a lot of me sort of explaining you know star wars and other sort of mm-hmm. pop culture stuff to you that that i feel like you already know uh-huh. A lot more about than you let on. Well, yeah, sometimes. you you haven't figured out that that's a ruse, and that I know everything about Tatooine and about Ewoks and the yeah. Well, I, it's it's not it's it's kind of like me with the Marvel stuff, where like I'm you know I'm hopelessly behind in all the movies and stuff, and that's the the whole superhero thing's not not really my thing. Like I don't I don't dislike it. It's just not not really my thing, and. Like keeping up with what's going on in the world of Marvel, like if you're not worried about spoilers and stuff, is like it's that's not hard. Like you know, <laughs> you read a couple IO9 articles or a couple Wikipedia pages, and like you can you know, you can stay up to date on what's going on with Marvel without what's, too much. What's trouble. an IO9? It's a uh, like a I don't know, pop culture science fiction okay. website. They do good. They do good like episode recaps of stuff. Like I I would read their recaps of. Um, the Mandalorian and things like that when it was on. Yeah. And and I don't mean this as, as a slag on people, but Marvel movie, like, like following Marvel movies is not like trying to keep the plot together and like breaking bad or mad men or something, right? Like it's, it's not, it's not necessarily that complex. It's, isn't it mostly, have, isn't it mostly a lot of depth to them for what they are? I, I would say. Okay. But the thing has always been that Marvel uh, DC movies are bad. And Marvels mm-hmm. are shiny explosions, but they're 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 better. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And Michael Bay doesn't factor into Marvel at all, right? He's just his own deal. Correct. He's Transformers. Which is neither, which is not Marvel or DC? Correct. Okay. Hasbro. <laughs> Seriously, it, it it's a it, it's a toy company. Well, so then why hasn't Michael Bay made a movie about Monopoly? Don't give him any ideas. He might. I, I, I would be into that. That's again like Mike of uh, Michael Bay's take on Succession. I, I I would I would take that. Does the does the main? I guess you call him character in Monopoly. Does he have like a name? Like the, the you know the guy who's on the box. Yeah, it's Mr. With, Monopoly. The, with the top hat is it just Mr. Monopoly? I mean, I'm sure he has a name like uh, like Frederick Moneybags. So who, Wait, who plays I... him? Who plays him in your film adaptation of Monopoly? Uh, Brian Cox. So you don't watch Succession, but so that that's that's Logan Roy in Succession. Sorry, uh-huh. just Google it. Real time follow up. Uh, Mr. Monopoly's legal name um, is Rich Uncle Pennybags. 
which feels maybe maybe that's a bit the Joe Biden inflation story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, penny bags has become. <laughs> um, oh man. Um, yeah. Other other recurring bits on the show. I think. Sorry, under under Mr. Monopoly because Google gives you the thing. Mm. Uh, also searched for Mr. Peanut and Curious George, and C three PO. Wait, Monopoly the Monopoly guy and Mr. Peanut are not the same person. Just go, go to Google dot com or Google dot ca if you want if you if you want to feel fancy, and then okay. just Google, search for Mr. Monopoly. Maybe because it is customized. I'm doing this in an incognito window, so I hope it's it's objective results, but. Yeah, people also search for Mr. Peanut, Curious George, Pillsbury Doughboy, and C-3PO. So I get so my Mr. Monopoly Google search um, suggestions include Mr. Monopoly Monocle, Mr. Monopoly Funko Pop. God, have, we, have we ever covered how much I fucking hate Funko Pops? They're so <laughs> they're, creepy and bad. They're creepy, yeah. Yeah. Mr. Monopoly Halloween costume. Sexy Mr. Monopoly. Mm, right. Mr. Monopoly net worth. He's fake. That's so dumb. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of that one. Mr. Monopoly SNL. That's a, must be some Saturday Night Live skit. Um, anyway. Wait, um, so what's under people also search for, though? That's, that, that's the whole point. Well, that was just in the in the Chrome thing where it you know makes suggestions for oh. finishing your search. That's what came up for me. Got it. Um, um, I feel like um, TV has always been a thing on this show, and it it sort of I would say evolved over time. Where you know we talked a lot about TiVo, and we talked a <laughs> lot about the kind of um, uh, I don't know what the right phrase here is kind of you like evolution we went through with the TVs that we had where hmm. we kind of together bought those just miserable Samsung TVs. That was a Samsung TV, right? <clears throat> I regret that because I, yeah, I do feel like too. I gave that a full throat recommendation. Eh, it was a pretty shitty TV. It was a, it was a bad and, well, TV. But the, the yeah. thing about that one is that um, it had... I don't know if you remember, but it had this remote that was the worst fucking remote. I, I, that if of any TV, like even after the setup, I don't like, so sorry, stepping back a second, the LG C, you, you also have the C7, right? We have the exact same TV. Probably. I think we have the same OLED now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I have the one from 2017. So I think that was yeah. the C7 55 inch TV. And, <laughs> um, that remote, like it's kind of like a Wiimote and I don't like it. And I've only ever used it for the initial setup. Like it's ever after that, it's always been the Logitech Harmony, but the Samsung TV remote, um, I don't like I'm Googling images of it, but it doesn't have any numbers on it. It just has like this weird, like rocker switch for volume and channel. Like it was, it was an objectively terrible TV. And I don't know why I, ever recommended it like i think it looked good powered off and that's not i mean that that's that's the reason my people recommend android phones so <laughs> um well and in your defense i think the tv i had before that one was also a samsung and i i really liked that tv wait did, didn't did you uh, oh so you had a break because it i remember alongside john syracuse i used to be a 
a staunch proponent of um plasma television plasma, sets yeah mm-hmm. and those were so energy inefficient but um yeah i think i had that 42 inch panasonic plasma until all the way up until i got that uh crappy samsung tv god we we really have basically had like the same tvs over time um i think yeah I, I had i had that 42 inch panasonic plasma because when I worked at Best Buy, they had a thing where for employees, you could get it for, I think it was like 500 bucks. And at that time, that TV retailed for, it was well over a thousand. So you were getting it for like over half off, which was, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had that TV, um, I forget exactly when I had it, but, but I, I had that for, for a while, but then, yeah, I did, I, um, Actually, I gave it to my sister, and she she actually had it up until like very very recently, like up until I think sometime this year. Um, so it has as as many it has like a score burn in from like the LA Rams games, pro- probably. Um, but yeah, no that that was a good TV, and then I had I had another Samsung. Um, I can't really remember exactly why I wanted to. I think it. I think I. It was a little bit bigger. I think I went up to like forty six inches or something. Um, and it was like some you know Cyber Monday or Black Friday whatever kind of deal. And that that was a good that was a good TV. Just like an you know LED TV. But you know it didn't didn't have any of like the four K HDR stuff. And so when I when I wanted something with that. I followed your miserable recommendation and got another Samsung TV. Um, and then, you know, made the right decision and got an OLED TV. And that, that, that TV, you know, that TV continues to be great. The, the lady friend and I have been um, watching the, um, the first three Matrix movies in preparation of the, the new movie that comes out tomorrow. The Matrices. Yeah. The Matrices, exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, just like watching those movies, it's like, yeah, this this TV, this TV's great. Continues to be great. I kind of wish we had the sixty-five inch version <laughs> now that we're, you know, I, in, a, in a in a slightly bigger space than uh, than when I well, first got that TV. But I legit, I, I I vividly remember having a conversation with somebody a week ago about, mm. oh, he's he, he's 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 still mad that his sound bar's too big for his TV. <laughs> well, uh, that that sound bar would still be too big if there was a 65 inch tv behind it but really that soundbar is pretty big yeah yeah the arc is like why would they make it that large other like because unless you have a 65 inch tv it's it's too big i don't don't know like because do people regularly have tvs over 70 inches not i mean not generally no but i i mean having a bigger tv behind it i guess would maybe help some but it you know that 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 speaker's still really really big um i'm also i guess maybe another note on kind of like home theater setup or something that's become clear to me in watching watching these matrix movies is um i think i think i've mentioned this before too is that i mean the arc is loud man like even at like they they don't give you like percentages it's just you know it's just a slider but even at what looks to be, yeah, I don't know, maybe twenty-ish percent, maybe twenty-five percent. Like it is loud. Like for normal use, I you really wouldn't want it much louder than that. 
um which is which is kind of cool i guess um and a little little pro tip too while we're just getting all the the sonos stuff out i i think maybe i mentioned this when i first got the the sonos sub which was actually almost like exactly a year ago at this point i think i I mentioned it it's very subtle right like it doesn't um it doesn't add like a ton of bass it just kind of adds like a like nice deeper tones in the background i guess well there's like some instances like watching these movies where i want actually like bigger bass and the pro tip there is you can actually adjust the sub volume and if you tick that up a couple levels, that makes a that makes a really big difference. Mm-hmm. So that that's your uh, that's your Sonos um, that's your Sonos tip of the day. All right, once I buy a house, remind me of that. <laughs> Which actually is sort of a good inadvertent segue. And inadvertent segues, or I guess maybe another recurring thing on this show is we've always had like we've always had tips and recommendations. There's sure. been different versions of that. Like Chef Special was something that wasn't there in the beginning that came along later, but I feel like we've always had, we're always trying to help people. We, this show is about helping people when you really get, <laughs> get down to it. It's yeah. like a less problematic Dr. Phil. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that's true because I, I think chef specials like, again, the, I forget when I renamed that, but that was based off the, uh, of something stolen from, uh, I don't know if it's still on this week in tech where they, or maybe, or maybe it's Mac break weekly, but they were, they would have a pick of the week. And then I, then I somehow, Oh, after I went to my fake restaurant, the German washing machine, somehow it became chef specials. And yeah. I feel like maybe one thing that I, I've been thinking about this week is I feel like this show's kind of covered like an interesting time in technology. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that too. Um, where if you compare 2014 to today, Mm-hmm. I I feel like 2014 was still a time where like the iPhone was still kind of figuring itself out and I don't know it's like te- technology was still like or like for me like I was still like constantly well, like fidgeting fidgeting with my tech setup well techno- nothing was technology used to be fun and 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 rapidly evolving now it's it's extremely static well, but it, it it that's one way to look at it. But the other way to look at it is that it's just sort of like, it's just kind of gotten to a good place. Like the, the TV thing that we were just talking about, it's like a perfect example of that where, you know, 2014 still kind of figuring out a good TV setup. And now with like this OLED that I've had, and then now with the whole like Sonos thing, it's like, there's not really anything I would change about that for for the foreseeable future and like never say never with tech but you know like i look around my house now and it's kind of just like i feel like things are in a good spot i mean like the smart home stuff is still is still bad but you know like everything else is just in a in a good place oh kind of i i agree Agree. I think that TV is the only thing that you could say that about. I mean, uh, hmm. yeah, like I, I think TV, home audio. I think we're both in a good spot with like we've we've both invested in the Sonos ecosystem and um yeah like that that LG OLED TV. Like I I've I've never used any of the WebOS apps or any of the stuff that's included in it, but. 
that's very good. But I, I, I do think that, like, I wouldn't, would you, would you say that the phone is static at this point? I kind of would. Yeah. I, that I don't know. Like, cause, because like, even in 2014, there was no, like, what, when, when did that like dumb essential phone thing come out? Like I don't ever think there's been a um like a a legitimate competitor that was gonna make you think about switching to something else. Yeah, I mean I, I don't I don't know, but to, to to a degree. I guess like what I'm trying to say is that I feel like in 2014 and the earlier years of this show, I was I was constantly trying to like fix something in my my tech setup whereas today Mm. there just there really just isn't anything i'm like clamoring to upgrade or replace you know (laughs) uh yeah i would say well so that's the thing where and i forget if i already talked about this which is that with smart home stuff, it is it has changed, but I don't actually think it's gotten that that much mature or better. I mean, like, because it like let, let's let's take our favorite smart home product, which is the the Philips Hue family of products. That hasn't changed since like 2012. Like, it's still it's still is it isn't it a Zigbee product? I think it, they don't really like brand brand themselves that, or I mean, it, it, they guess they have like the Zigbee logo on the box, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like un- under the covers, basically, I think it's just a Zigbee thing, you know? Yeah, like other than that, like, like yes, yeah, so like the, the one thing that I think we probably, because actually, I guess I'm going to ask, how much are you actually talking to the, uh, to an Echo these days? Are you well, actually that, talking to it a lot? I feel like I'm talking no, to it less. That that was, that was the, the point I was going to make about some of the smart home stuff is that while I would like it to be better you know easier to set up more reliable more interoperable with you know whatever platform you're on i for me it's all kind of a bonus because like the smart none of the smart home stuff is i think all that critical like it's all kind of nice to have stuff that i don't feel like i need a ton more out of like if if I look around at the smart home stuff that I have, like once you get over the clunky setup process and if you can look past the occasional and completely unexplainable like disconnections from your network, et cetera, like just day-to-day use, like I don't think there's necessarily a ton that I would want to do with my smart home stuff that it can't do today. Like I'm not somebody who's going to sit there and you know create a bunch of super elaborate automations or shortcuts or whatever like yeah so i, I don't know I, the smart home stuff i think is is fine i'm gonna push back and say it's still bad like i my like the my my Wemo plugs like i think you so you you would it when i when i was talking about the getting smart home plugs to fix the busted Casper glow bedside lights that I had. You'd recommended the Wemo ones were the least bad. And you're like, Oh, Hey, there's probably, there's a new generation of them that are not the size of like a mini Cooper. And 
I got them. And I think I talked about this uh, maybe a couple months on the show, but every three months they forget what they're called and they just revert back to just like, so I, I never know whether I'm turning on the charger for one of my bedside lights or if I'm turning on the espresso machine. And I feel like that's still a problem. I don't know. Like, and, and then if I ask the echo to turn on the espresso machine, sometimes it's like, Hmm, you should fix this skill in the Alexa app. And like, I'm just like, this isn't no, all I want is to make coffee. Like, so I, I don't think that stuff has gotten to a place where it's super mature and no matter how much Apple tries to pretend that home kit doesn't suck, it still sucks. And the home app is the fucking worst. Like, so I, I feel like uh, home stuff is still very much, um, has opportunity could be placed on a pip and is is definitely underperforming its potential and and could be coached out of the business yeah i mean i i i am interested in (laughs) the matter stuff i mean i'm very very skeptical that it's gonna be what people want it to be but but i am interested to see what happens with it it's good to see <laughs> something being done to to try and fix this. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, optimistic. All right. Um, I feel like we, you know, cars have always been like kind of a thing in the background on the show. Yeah. Like, well, so so hold on. So with that one, I remember. Let me go back to. No, if that's a different tab. Where is I remember? Um, all right. Technically correct.do we need a shorter domain name there's one in here where where it was talking about ryan got a new car but it was in 2015 and i don't remember what that was that would have been that's my ford edge yeah oh you had a ford suv yeah i had the edge from um 2015 and then that that was the whole crazy thing where my lease ended and i thought i was going to be without a car for at least a couple of months while my model 3 you know was waiting to be delivered and then i like out of the blue like the the day after i turned in the edge i get the email from tesla that's like hey your model 3 is ready to be delivered i was like oh wow okay great and it probably said that it would be full self-driving before year end (laughs) probably probably did yeah uh Oh, and that, I mean, so that, that's been a thing in more recent years is, is Tesla. <laughs> Call, calling we, Elon we, Musk on his bullshit. Yeah. We've, we've kind of, um, I guess, transitioned off of Uber and, and gotten into the Tesla stuff, which is, you know, I mean, having had a Tesla for a few years now and just with there being lots to uh, talk about slash criticize around the company, I feel like, yeah, we, t- we talk about them quite a bit. Well, as people should. And and automated um, or autonomous driving too. We we t- we talked about that for for a long time. I, I I forget who which one of us was bullish on it. Was it me? Was it you? Uh, now knowing that it's not going to happen, I'm going to say I was the one that was bearish on it. <laughs> I think I don't know. I think maybe one of like one of us thought like the technology would get there, but think, there'd be I think regulatory we were, stuff in the way. No, I think we were both too bullish on it. I think everybody was. I like. I, I think even. It, I think you were way more optimistic about it than I was, but I still thought it was like a five year away problem, and it was probably yeah. in twenty sixteen. 
Yeah. And now we have uh, Waymo cars where um, I will watch it, uh, the Jaguar I-Pace Waymo car, just circle like a a single block four times for no good reason. And it's just (laughs) like, what are you doing? I don't know. Yeah. All right. And then, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, Oh, and the last thing before we move on to actual stuff, what are things that we used to talk about that we don't talk about anymore? Oh, that, yeah, that's a good one. Um, Phil TiVo. Yeah, rest in peace. I still haven't, I still haven't canceled my subscription. Uh, I should probably do that. <laughs> still charging yeah, me for I, it. It's been, it's been a closet ever since the, the that one rainstorm two months ago. <laughs> um, gosh, what what else? Um, I mean, I feel like we we don't ever really talk like we were talking about TV stuff, but like, I feel like ever since we got those OLEDs and got them into like a steady state, I feel like we don't, we don't talk about like our TV setup anymore. I mean, I guess I, I did a little bit last year when I did the whole Sonos surround sound thing, but like you and I aren't, we're like, we're not constantly plugging new things into our TV or anything. Like we're not getting new consoles. We're not getting, you know, new Apple TVs or whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's, that's probably true. Um, yeah. I'm looking through the stuff like, yeah, those, yeah. We just talk about Steve Ballmer a lot. Hmm. Well, yeah. Cause he, well, cause he, cause he, cause he bought the, the chargers or the, what's, what's the, what's the basketball chargers? The, the Clippers. Yeah. That's what they're, that's not a bad, not a bad analogy. Um, Wait, I don't even get it. Well, the are, the, the Chargers are kind of the, the Chargers are San Diego, right? Well, they moved to L.A. and they've just, become kind of the you know the junior varsity team to the the Rams in the same way. Well, but that but, aren't, the, but aren't the Rams also from uh, the middle of nowhere? <laughs> we aren't aren't they from like Minneapolis? Well, they were they were in L.A. They went to St. Louis and then they came back to L.A. Wait, but weren't the Raiders from L.A.? Well, the Raiders, yeah, the Raiders were in L.A. Then they went to Oakland. I think, or maybe, I think maybe they were in Oakland, then went to L.A., then went back to Oakland, and then now are in Las Vegas. <laughs> Episode 68, Bill Sim- we, we, we used to talk about Bill Simmons a lot. Uh, apparently, Bill Simmons had a new website, and I'm well, there was, guessing there was that was, a, what, 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 what was the, the thing after Grantland? Yeah, The Ringer. Yeah, like then, yeah, there was a lot to talk about with him because I don't know his whole fallout from ESPN was kind of a it was an yeah. interesting story. Episode sixty seven. This is a reminder. We used to talk about Gene Munster a hell of a lot. Not not so much like these I days. Hear, I don't hear much from him. He's still. I think it's he's still like it's. Uh, I think it's his um, BI company is called Loop Ventures. Yeah, Loop Ventures LLC. Also, hey, Rams territory, uh, headquartered in Minneapolis, Minnesota, founded in 2017. So yeah, he's still doing stuff. But um, yeah, we we haven't had the opportunity to make jokes about uh, an Apple TV TV in a very, very, very long time. Nope, it's all all cars and AR, VR headsets these days. Yeah. And episode 63, uh, pick of the week, dog rates. Time flies. (laughs) All right. Um, let's see. Do I have any other 
looking back stuff. No, I think that's it. Anyway, episode. so like, like I'll, so let me actually put something put a bone towards in. you here. Sure. Um, so like, what what are you sort of like? Because I mean, this also coincides with you know end of the year, thinking ahead towards twenty twenty two. Um, like what, like what are you what are you looking forward to with technology? Like, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say a new IMAX got to be like number one on your list. I mean, I'm pretty excited about web three and the metaverse mm, like yeah. i mean i i just think that we we we've been in a like like we had we had the old guard where we had twitter and we have all these gatekeepers that are um de-platforming and, and silencing crusader <laughs> voices and honestly i just think that smart contracts and crypto are the the solution to our problems and we're all gonna get on the dark web and we're all gonna God, I fucking hate it all so much. Well, there, there, there goes our run of 299 episodes of of not being problematic. Wait, what, what did I say? I didn't say anything. I'm well, just, just, I'm... just that. No, I mean, I'm saying if that if that bit of yours was real, then uh, no, it's then we, we like, have a problem. I, oh man, can we talk about the like the trends that I don't give a shit about? Is I'm so glad on the show that we've never talked about fucking NFTs or any like. I, ugh. crypto and NFTs are such a grift, and 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 I, I whoever rebranded this shit, uh, Web three is is such a visionary, and it's it's all hogwash nonsense, and it's and it's so dumb. So, I'm very proud of us for never having talked about any of that shit. Um, they a bunch of pictures just got released today of the um crypto.com arena signage around what used to be staples center and it's mm-hmm. it's very very upsetting i haven't heard of ktla5 in forever but okay good um yeah wait this is this isn't even a logo wait why does the why does the logo look like feet in a house <laughs> no it's what it looks like it looks like a lamp with two feet next to it yeah, i like i could not tell you I'm still mad that um that Pac Bell Park is called Oracle Park. Why why couldn't Benny Off has more money than than he knows what to do with? Why why couldn't he just call it Salesforce Salesforce Park? Anyway, uh, you have any other looking back stuff or not really? No, I think I think that covers it. All right. Um, do, do, if anybody wants uh, some good time memories as we were uh, checking out before we went live on the show, uh, you can go listen to the episode where Ryan doesn't tip somebody at the taping of Hamilton uh, or not a taping of a live performance, but one, well, I can't believe that was episode 200. Well, I know that, a, that seems ugh. like you should have hid that, hid your shame and hid that story for a less auspicious episode. Man, I'm no kidding. It seems eminently Googleable. All right. Uh, in terms of our usual nonsense, follow up. Um, youtube for two days so on december 17th uh it was announced that youtube and disney were unable to reach a re what's it called retransmission rebroadcast whatever some type of carriage deal that meant that all of the abc or all the disney owned family channels which includes disney channel espn abc and because of the um 21st century fox merger also fx uh, we're all being dropped from YouTube TV and YouTube said, Hey, okay. So all these networks are gone. We're going to drop 
are priced fifteen dollars, which is kind of kind of interesting to see what that single that what one carriage dispute between a a single company can cause in terms of the total value of the bundle. Because I think YouTube TV on its own is sixty five dollars, but anyway. But two days later, uh, they announced a resolution, and everybody got a one time fifteen dollars single month credit, and that's basically it. Yeah, it, it's been. I got, did, were all these deals just? Do they do they happen to be up around the same time? It feels like it's just been sort of like a constant barrage of these stories of of you know content getting taken off of YouTube TV or a lot like last minute deals coming through. Yeah, I think they're like reevaluated every two to three years. But yeah, it, it, it yeah. does feel like a more common recurring recurring story. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And then related to that, uh, or not. Kind of not really, but, and this is, this is a story that I actually genuinely hate is that, uh, Roku had a thing where they were threatening, I forget which direction it went in, but that apparently like Roku's not like a neutral platform, even though like you can have as many complaints as you want about how Apple runs the app store, but that there's a thing where Roku can choose not to continue to distribute YouTube and YouTube TV apps on the Roku platform. And I think this had something to do with, I, I honestly have no idea. Like I, that Roku's whole business model makes, and it makes entire sense to me, but it makes no sense from a user facing perspective where I just, I, I, I can't imagine how, the channels or like the the apps within apps on Roku have to do some type of revenue share or negotiate to just be on the platform. That seem that seems bad. But anyway, apparently YouTube TV is still available on Roku and there's a multi-year deal to allow you to watch YouTube, which seems well not so great. the, the- I mean, the, the thing the thing was that the YouTube TV app got pulled like earlier this year, but then Google basically embedded it inside of just the regular YouTube app, kind of daring Roku to like do something about it. And then, <laughs> um, you know, talks, I guess, kind of further went south. And then so Google eventually threatened, or I guess I... I don't know who was threatening who here, but like the YouTube app was going to get pulled off um, this month, and that that's what prompted a deal to to get made. But now, the standalone YouTube TV app apparently is is back on on Roku. Hmm. Um, going back to actually, I feel like we talked about Peloton somehow in this episode, but I forgot what it was about. But um, you had a thing. So we talked about last week about Spotify Wrapped and the whole end of year summary. And apparently as a Peloton bike owner, you also get a like year in review. So what was that about? Uh, yeah. So I, the, the, this became a thing. Like I, I guess not being a Spotify user, maybe I've just been out of the, the loop with the whole end of year recap things, but it feels like these have like really, really become a thing this year that like everybody feels like they've got to, they've got to do. So Peloton, I guess, got wanted to get into the mix here, and it's you know it's kind of what you would expect it to be. Like, I guess I can log into mine here. It's 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 a bunch of it's a bunch of stats um, about you know number of workouts you did, 
who your, um, you know, top instructors were, um, what other kind of like interesting stuff is there here? Um, oh, it had like your most listened to artist. You want to know who mine was? Michael Bublé. Mm, no, not a, not on Peloton. No, uh, Calvin Harris. Uh, is he that? Is he that Euro DJ? Yes. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, again, like that's 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 my the the my corollary or my, my my doctrine is that when you're exercising, your taste and you you get a get a, you get a big cushion on taste and music. Like I, I have a lot of things in my Spotify running Q4 playlists that are not problematic, but that I that I don't that I would not want to endorse with my own taste. So <laughs> that's that's entirely fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's like a video that that they provide as well that I guess you know visualizes all those stats, but I I haven't watched it. I mean, I also only had a Peloton for like the last five months of the year. So. Well, do they give you what's what's your total number of miles ridden? under your profile you have a general ballpark idea of that uh actually it does it does does peloton go are they are they just like calories or are they distance or what what is the metric that you generally are well targeting? so it's like so on the leaderboard and then like your personal record all of that is measured in um output which is a <laughs> it's very which capitalist is a, yeah it, it's a combination of of cadence which is like you know the speed um of what they call your pelostrokes carlos um and <laughs> i thought you'd i thought you'd like that um yeah i was like one of the one of like maybe the very first class or one of the very first classes i took i heard that and i was like mm. <laughs> um and uh resistance so that you basically combine those two numbers and and you know you get this output number and then that, you know, that kind of accrues over the course of your ride. And then your, your total output is, is how you're measured on the leaderboard and how your, how your personal records are measured. So Um, was it real quick during a Peloton ride? So like to my understanding, the bike is that you get is pretty basic. And the only thing that you have that's really adjustable in terms of, um, like the the rider effort is you get that like little like uh spinny wheel thing so that's your resistance thing right there's a re- like a resistance knob yeah. yeah like that's that's the only thing about the bike that you can change is just kind of how, how hard you have to pedal exactly so yeah. when when you're in the middle of a workout are you instructed to like hey let's say let's amp, let's amp it up guys and then you're supposed to to twist the knob well so well, there's a few things to unpack there so it's that's one of the things that's on the screen is like hey you know here here's the resistance range and the cadence range that the instructor is recommending that you be in right now and you know th- those numbers change on the screen as the instructor is giving their um instructions as well um and then on the the like i guess it's like the second gen bike that i have um one of the features it has that the first gen bike doesn't is that it the bike can automatically adjust the resistance um as the as the ranges change throughout the workout so that's what mine does and you can you know it it changes when the range changes and then you can further refine it with that knob if you want to but they will otherwise just do it automatically 
Interesting. Um, so to answer your original question here, um, I have cycled 20 hours and covered 370 miles. Hmm. So you, you rode to LA and back. Wait, no, just, just what? No, no, you rode to Disneyland. That was it. Yeah. And then, and then you were turned away at the gate because you didn't have Genie Plus. <laughs> all right. Um, you had thrown in something here a week or two ago about uh, your first trip using Apple Wallet on oh, uh, yeah. the, um, what's it called? The Golden Gate Ferry? I was forget about it with the, with the uh, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 How was that experience? Yeah. So I, I, I took the ferry for the first time in almost two years. Um, and it was my first time taking any form of public transit since Clipper, um, was added as a, as a transit card to, um, Apple wallet. And it was kind of a, kind of a mixed bag. <laughs> so, I had set this up on my iPhone 12 originally. And we, we, we even talked about this on the show because I think you had had some like trouble switching your Clipper card from phone to phone. Well, I just, and, I just couldn't do it. And then you, you suggested that it was possible, but then I was adamant that I couldn't. And eventually it did say, hey, do you want to reinstate your Clipper card? Well, so, and the, the reason I kind of, dismissed your issue was that i i was sure that when i did the whole like direct transfer thing going from the 12 to the 13 that bringing over the clipper card was part of that process like i like i remember that um but then i i go to fortunately i thought of i thought of double checking like the morning before i was going to leave i'm like I, sh I should actually make sure that that clipper card really is like ready to go because I, you know, the thing is, like, once you take your plastic clipper card and migrate it into Apple Wallet, like, that plastic card is no good anymore. So um, I wanted to make sure that everything was okay on the phone. And so I, you know, I, I pull open Apple Wallet and my clipper card's not there. And I'm like, like, what the hell? Like, I, I thought I had this set up. And I like, was kind of poking around and... And like, well, maybe I just like need to add it again. And so I try to go through the setup process, but it's like, hey, no, those Clipper cards, you know, already been set up in Apple Wallet. And like at this time, I, it's like getting close to like the time I need to leave. And but I and I like really wanted to try it. So I <laughs> I did the thing that you didn't want to do, which was spend the three bucks. And I just I just got a new Clipper card. Whoa, for... whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so, so yes, but my issue was that it wasn't $3. It was like, I, there was like $12 on that card. Well, so, so I, I, I knew that there was a process to transfer whatever funds you have on one Clipper card to another. So like, I wasn't concerned about losing any of the funds on that Clipper card that I was having trouble accessing an Apple wallet. Like, the only thing I'd be out was the few bucks that it took to activate a new card um which you know is not ideal but whatever um and so i i did that and then you know it i mean it's great like you know it the express transit functionality in apple wall is really cool where you actually don't even have to 
um, pull open the wallet app or in any way authenticate through either touch ID or face ID. Like you just hold your phone up to the clipper card reader and your phone just, it just does it, which, which is cool. Right. Especially like, you know, because we have to wear face masks on public transit. Like if you had to do face ID authentication first, like that would not not a, it would not be a great look to be pulling down your face mask like as you're literally you know taking your first step into a public transit area. So I mean, that, that have you just considered ignoring mask mandates? <laughs> so that's all that's all pretty well um, thought out. So I, actually, like as I was on the ferry, I was like, I need to figure this out. Like what? Like because I I was also thinking like I remember like Carlos had some issue with his. But I'm like, I, I could have sworn that mine came over to my new phone, no problem. And so I thought, well, let me let me download the Clipper card app onto my phone and see if like that gives me any additional information. Um, and sure enough, I downloaded it, logged in, and it's actually like it's a it's actually a really nice app. And I I found so the, the first thing that came up was like, oh, hey, like we see that you have a Clipper card in your Apple wallet that's that that's not associated to like your Clipper account, which was true because like I had just, you know, activated that card and hadn't even linked it to my to my Clipper account, the one that I just wanted to get onto my phone so I, that I could use it. But then I could like swipe over and I saw like my actual Clipper card, the one that I've had for like, you know, over 10 years that I had that had the plastic card version of that I brought into Apple Wallet originally that I thought I had then transferred over my new phone. And the thing that the app had, which which I don't know why the I don't know why the that wallet app didn't make this clearer to me, is it it, it said something like card location, like or like digital card location. And you know what it said next to that? iPhone 12 or something? Ryan's Apple Watch, mm. and it it and it, it like it immediately dawned on me what had happened when I saw that. I had set up the iPhone 13, and then, um, you know, the Series Seven, of course, didn't come out for what like six weeks or something after we all got the iPhone 13. Then when I set up the the Apple Watch. I remember it asking me, oh, do you want to transfer this Clipper card that you have on your phone to your watch? And I thought, oh, yeah, I, I guess so. Like, that, that'd be kind of neat to be able to just tap into Clipper using, using my watch instead of having to, like, pull out my phone. Well, I, A, totally forgot that, you, that I did that. And B, I guess it turns out that, like, your Clipper card can, like, only live on one like device at a time mm -hmm. like i don't i i haven't actually bothered to really look into it a whole i, I just kind of needed to know what happened like i well, i wasn't really worried about fixing it because who knows when i'm going to be on public transit again it was kind of a, a one-off thing um but it seems to me that yeah you you can't have your clipper card like both on your watch and your phone like the idea is like it's literally on one device at a time and that's it and you know sure enough when i went back into the wallet app and then specifically looked at what was on 
my watch because it's the same with with credit cards too where like you can have a credit card on both your phone and your watch but it's it's almost like they're two it's different a separate enrollment it's it's yeah exactly yeah. yeah so like the wallet section that covers your watch is like totally different than what's on your phone and so when i went into the watch section sure enough you know there was the clipper card like my my original clipper card mm-hmm. so and and there's actually there's a button there that says hey do you want to transfer this to your iPhone, and that's the part I haven't done. But I assume what happens when I do that is it it would remove it from my watch and and put the you know digital card back onto my phone. So which would then mean that I would have two Clipper cards on my phone, and I'm gonna have to at some point take the remaining eight dollars or whatever I have on that that new Clipper card and transferred that over to my original clipper card so yeah kind of a mess but but the actual you know the actual like process of using the card was nice yeah it's, it's no different than an actual physical card uh I, well i mean it, it's especially like you know i was kind of on i think on the right track with putting it on my watch because that actually would be kind of the best like way to do it would be just like having it on your watch and then just you know tapping your wrist instead of having to like pull out you know your phone or your wallet like that that seems like a because we, I mean, we, we've talked about this a bunch on the show too where like apple pay especially in the age of face id and face masks is like it's apple pay is way better on the watch than it is on the phone now mm-hmm. yeah other, other than being a fitness tracker my apple watch is a apple pay device yeah oh yeah totally very convenient to use at the at the like you just quickly bag your own groceries at trader joe's and you just get on your way and it's just it's great yep all right um and then rounding <laughs> rounding out follow-up this is mostly just because i wanted to highlight a tweet we're not going to have an in-depth conversation here about this but um i'll send you a link to put in the show notes but yeah Let's see. What am I looking at here? <laughs> so we're having we're 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 all having a moment. It's fine. Um, yeah. So you do you want to you want to read this? Uh... Oh sure. This is I don't know who this person is, but apparently uh, at David Mac AU. I'm assuming he's Aus- uh, an Aussie. Uh, COVID really said, uh, "quote Hi, just circling back," and <laughs> maybe that's what um, I think the pronunciation is Omicron is about, and y'all should get boosted and um uh our good pal tony had a good interview on the wall street journal the journal podcast um that everybody should already be listening to uh regularly and yeah we're yeah limit limit your indoor interactions and let's all let's all make it through the winter yeah all right we got a couple of quickies and then we'll 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 head out um you you put this in here. You 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 put a picture of something that, that seems like if Joanna Gaines got hired to do like some type of like like they did the hearth and home thing with Target, like if they were going to do a collaboration with Chipotle, and you'd end up with Chipotle digital kitchen silos, is what I get from this <laughs> the Verge article. Yeah. So so that the there's yeah a little bit of background and then there's. Oh, kind of like this random thought I have about this that I wanted to, to run by you. Okay. So 
So the idea here is that this is it, it's called Chipotle Digital Kitchen, and and what it is is it's similar, a similar to the PS uh, similar to the PS Five. I'm sorry, is the is the other kind of meat analog? <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. Um, this is a location, a Chipotle location in Ohio, where there you you have to order ahead on the app, so there's no ability to walk up and order and there's also no like inside space for customers like you just you go up to a window and the only thing you can do is pick up an already made order and that that's it um and this, like what the weird position i'm in with this is that like the 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 fretwell household is like chipotle is in the regular rotation here so like you know mm. we're ordering chipotle uh, a fair amount, let's say. Mr. Pennybags. <laughs> Chipotle's costly. Uh I I guess, yeah. Um oh, I mean once you once you add in the, the lime chips and, and the guac, I mean, that's twenty five bucks for two people. I mean, compared to Blue Barn, which is kind of the other restaurant we have in a regular rotation, it's it's quite affordable compared to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um anyway, like you know, I cannot tell you the last time that I didn't get Chipotle without, you know, ordering ahead on the app. Like that that is the one and only way I've ever ordered Chipotle, like for years now. Like I I don't I don't remember the last time I went to a Chipotle and like stood in line and went, you know, went through the line and, and ordered there or, you know, eat inside of a Chipotle. Like I just I haven't done that in forever. So like something like this, the Chipotle digital kitchen, like on paper is kind of like exactly for somebody like me and is something that it seems like I'd be like in favor of, but I don't know. There's something just kind of like depressing Solace. about, yeah. Yeah. Because it, so I'm because not, it's, I'm not it's, crazy. It's, like, even though like, well, no, it's a, it's a breedable factory. Like it just, even though you know, like you never, you never want to think about McDonald's as an organization. Like if you think about McDonald's for what it actually is, and that they're a enterprise that has to source the necessary number of dead cows to create like twenty million hamburgers a week, like that. That's that's very. If you if you abstract all the like, hey, this is a restaurant you can go to a drive through or you can sit in or that type of stuff. Like, if it's just an outpost that spits out food that you ordered from an app and there's no human element to it, like it it, it makes it a different experience. Yeah, and I guess like the the way that I can describe it is like as another like random kind of personal thought, but like. Something that really bummed me out regularly would be like, you know, especially like this time a year ago um, where, you know, restaurants were were totally shut down for any kind of indoor service in California, like going to pick up food, including for places like Chipotle. It was it was it was depressing because there's like, you know, there was nobody, nobody in there. Like at, at one point, our local Chipotle like wasn't even letting pickup customers come inside. Like they literally had somebody like sitting outside and you just gave them your name and then they went and, you know, got your food. Um, whereas, you know, today and, you know, since basically like the mid part of this year, 
you know, now when I go pick up food from Chipotle, like even though I'm not staying and eating there or even ordering from there, like, you know, there's, there's a bunch of people in there and some are eating there, others are waiting to order. And it's just like, I don't know, there's, there's a life there now that there wasn't a year ago. And I don't know, that just, I, I, I like to see that. And I, I feel like this digital kitchen setup reminds me more of just like the, like the empty restaurant that I saw from a year ago that I just, I don't know. Like, and it's weird because like none of this impacts me. Like I, I'm just the one ordering ahead, going in, grabbing the food and leaving. But like, can I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to agree and kind of pivot this a little bit, but like, this is, I'm, I, I, I we've talked about like, I'm, I'm very anti DoorDash. Like I don't like food delivery other than pizza. And a lot of times I will try to do an order ahead type situation. Like, so like my two favorite East Bay places to go do that whenever I'm out there is to either like, I'll get like homeroom to go or I'll get a uh, square pie guys. And I absolutely understand what you mean in terms of like a restaurant, not feeling like a restaurant where like, I'm not a DoorDash driver, but like, it feels like the entirety of the rest of many restaurants these days is here's the thing where a bunch of people who either work for Uber Eats or DoorDash are picking up orders. And it doesn't really feel like a restaurant that people go to or eat at, or is anything other than like a food factory. And that's, that kind of bums me out a little bit. Like, I don't know if I'm adequately explaining that well, but like, yeah, like I, like a week ago, I went to pick up some homeroom to go. And it was just like, it was just like a big old screen of, hey, here are all the orders that are ready to go. And here's which VC funded delivery service you're with. And, oh, you're one random person who actually ordered on your own and chose to drive down here on your own accord. Oh, how nice for you. And then, I don't know, like that, that all feels kind of weird where, yeah, like, so just this, this silo of barbacoa beef and and lime chips, like kind of, it loses a little bit. Of the of the magic of the old Chipotle, the, the old E. coli Chipotle. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know, I feel like such a hypocrite because like I'm the reason that Chipotle thinks that these digital kitchens are a good idea because this type of setup would serve somebody like me perfectly. Um, yeah. 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 It's yeah, well. even... Um, it, we, we've talked a little bit about this too and it, it's not quite the same thing and I, I don't... I don't really have as like conflicted feelings about this, but I think there are some similarities in that, you know, we've, we've basically gone totally drive up only for, you know, the, the past couple, God, almost past couple of years now. Like, I mean, obviously, except for places that, you know, you, you can't drive up like your Costco's and Trader Joe's and whatnot, but for like Whole Foods and Target and almost anywhere else where you can do curbside pickup. Like we exclusively do that now. And I mean, that's just more like, I just, I just miss the, you know, kind of carefree, you know, way that we used to be able just to kind of shop around in a store. And now it's just like, let me very methodically go through this app, pick the exact things I want, and then drive up to this spot and have somebody put it in my trunk for me. But I feel like that's a personal decision. It is. No, it, it it is. Yeah. And 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 I, and I will absolutely concede that I have the luxury of <laughs> as a a single childless person to be able to like schedule my life around going at off peak time. So I still kind of get the 
benefit of like like because that's the thing like where we've talked about like where i don't think i would ever like online grocery shopping because like you just miss the happenstance of like oh here's the new random thing that is trying to be sold to you that procter yeah. and gamble paid for an end cap for like and it's like i like going to an uncrowded grocery store or target at off peak times but like you know, if you if you have a, a kid to put to bed and, and stuff like that, and if you if you got a, if you got a date with Ben, like you gotta you gotta do, you gotta do your stuff and right. But um, yeah, the, there's so much. Actually, I think that's a, maybe a topic for another day. But it's yeah, the if you're doing curbside for everything or in store pickup or you're ordering your food on an app, you're you're missing a lot of the happenstance capitalism, like. You're just missing a lot of the experience that 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 brand designers and that that things have to offer you. Like if you already think you know exactly what you want, you're never gonna encounter. Like this is the thing like where I can like Trader Joe's has never had um, curbside pickup or delivery, but eighty percent of the of the Trader Joe's experience is just looking at all like of like there's like seasonal items and there's new stuff all the time, and, and it, it, that is part of the experience where. I don't really think that's the type of store that would actually ever translate to that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, and again, this is like a very like personal thing, but like the the other dynamic too is 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 the COVID stuff, where like it would be very very different if I could, in a carefree way, bring the new housemate shopping. Because well, I actually she hasn't, think she hasn't had the experience of being in a, um, a shop, a rickety shopping cart with one loud wheel that four hundred other children. She's missing out on the main part of being a kid. I, I know that is. And wait, it, so I'm, I'm sorry. That is before you take her to Disney. You need you need to find a way to go to Target at like seven thirty in the morning and like personally sanitize a cart. And yeah, you're depriving her of like she doesn't need to meet Goofy. She needs to she needs to go to the Centerville Target. Because <laughs> um, that that would be that'd be very very different if we, if we were in our you know alternate you know no COVID reality like I mean I'd be doing that a ton bringing her to to Target and Home Depot and Trader Joe's and I I think she'd actually really like that but given that we're in a world where that would not be a great thing to be doing you know that that really then kind of puts us into a bind where it's like all of our shopping has to be done where, you know, either the new housemate can't be, you know, with us or, you know, we've got to do it curbside where we can just stay in the car. So that's the, yeah, that, that's the other kind of dynamic that we have. Yeah. All right. A couple of the quickies. Um, Amazon, I forget when they released this, but they were making a larger echo show and there's a new version called the echo show 15, which is a wall mounted smart display. That very much looks like, um, I think this might be some going back to the TV thing, where did I ever try to convince you to get a Samsung frame TV? Um, are you familiar with that, that, what that product is? I, I know what those are. Yeah, I don't remember if you ever convinced me to get one, though. Like, I feel like I went through a phase that I, that I kind of wanted one of these. And it, it, the Samsung frame TV is like a 55-inch TV that when it's not displaying content over HDMI, it is basically like a digital picture frame, and it's supposed to blend into the wall where if you're not watching television it doesn't look like you have a television in the living room and that, that feels like very much like a jojo type thing like she's whenever on fixer upper she's doing a, a living room re uh redesign she's there's there's never a tv in sight um so 
the Echo Show 15 is kind of that concept, and it makes sense, but as I can tell you as somebody who has an Echo Show 8 or 10, I forget which one it is. It's not that it's the medium size one. Um, Amazon's screen interfaces suck, and this one doesn't look like it's that much better. But I'm intrigued by the concept of it. And this Verge view seems to echo that. The one thing that I thought was interesting about uh, it... Ec- ec- echo that. Nice. Wait, what? You just said echo that. When oh, talking about got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm too tired to even pick up on my accidental puns. Um, is that it's supposed to have... Like, and I actually, from a privacy perspective, I hate this feature, but I feel like it's it would be neat is that... It has a camera on it that's, of course, always on because, you know, Jeff likes watching you shop in the kitchen. Or not shop in the kitchen. Go. They, Jeff likes to watch you at 2 a.m. get up from bed and eat half a slice of cold pizza because you can't sleep. But it has a camera on it where it's supposed to recognize who's in the room so that it will tailor what's on the screen to that person. And apparently that feature doesn't work very well, but... Um, I don't know. This feels like one of those, like going back to the whole thing that we've been talking about smart tech or, or, or smart tech, ugh, uh, smart home stuff for seven years. And this, it's getting slightly better, but also not really. Yeah. Although I do like on this uh, Verge article is that on somebody's Spotify recently played is uh, the, this is Taylor Swift playlist. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean the, the, the problem with these echo devices with the screen is I mean, I actively do whatever I can to like never have to interact with Amazon's software. Like the 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 lady in a can stuff is is good because it's it's because of its voice controls. The the software back into it is is no good. So like the idea of having a 15 inch tablet thing with their software on it is super not appealing but i i'm I'm with you in that what is appealing is this idea of having like a kind of smart home command center basically i think that that's a really interesting idea pretend that apple was good at this like they're not but but like like it wouldn't be kind of cool to have hey but calling back gene munster like if there was like a 20 inch uh home home pod HomePod view that they made. They just had that they had kind of Apple's design aesthetic. Let's pretend that Apple these days was capable of allowing something to bake fully before they took it out of the oven. And like it just had a nice display that was elegant to look at and was actually good. Like that would be cool if there was a way to kind of integrate all your stuff. I like I I don't think Amazon's attention is focused enough to ever make this a good product because like Again, as somebody who owns an Echo Show 8 that was basically broken for two months where the screen would just go black for a majority of the day, like I don't have a lot of confidence in them that they're actually going to do this well, but I don't know, maybe Apple might. I, I don't know. But like the concept of having a always on screen that is not your phone, is not a tablet, and it's, it's just like glanceable information is kind of interesting. So if somebody was actually able to do that well, I, that would be a very intriguing product. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, related to that, apparently they're the first product that is going to be compatible with Apple HomeKey is coming out. Meh. 
I actually don't remember what the promise of this was. Is it just that you can unlock your phone? You can unlock your lock using NFC? Well, th- this is the this is also like U1 support. So you you theoretically could have super precise, super accurate and reliable um like auto unlocking because you'd have the smart lock communicating with the U1 chip in your phone which is a you know dedicated chip for that type of purpose as opposed to having to like hack bluetooth to try and do it which is basically the way that august and all the other smart locks work today hmm. all right um so yeah you can you can install one of those and let us know how it is <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think these um schlog um Schlitt. Yeah. Schleg? No, let's, let's go um, I don't think these are going to pass the um, the um, special edge front test. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't <laughs> you think want to say it out loud. No, no, I was trying to think of, of, of a funnier phrase. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think the, these are going to be welcomed into the um, aesthetic of our home. Mm-hmm. So it's like the Bechdel test, but for uh married life <laughs> um all right and then lastly you you put in you put in some type of you tried to stir the pot and i and i'm and i'm not mm. falling for it i and you well you actually posted two links which is one you posted a thing about cnet had something about oh yeah the performance of lightroom on the m1 max is great well you know what i'm never gonna find out because i'm not i'm not opening it and i'm gonna continue to use my laptop as a thing that i, I use textmate for and occasionally use slack for so it's fine Eh, I, I, I don't care. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buy an LG monitor. And it's, it's been, it's been too long. It's been two months since I got the M1 MacBook Pro, and the, the dream or the idea of having, like, buying a second laptop and then running an external display off of it is not a thing I would ever do because I'm never going to use a laptop as a primary dis, as, as a thing. Like, I'm never gonna be a single computer guy. I always like having a desktop that i can sit down at and that i don't ever have to plug anything into or wake it up or have to worry about a thing i just want to be able to hit the space bar and just log in and do my stuff so yeah this monitor does not intrigue me in the slightest oh wait wait, is this an oled 30 inch display i think i think so yeah okay i am vaguely intrigued but i'm still gonna command w on this i don't know Um, yeah, so I mean, the, the reason I included this link, and so there's a couple of like fancy LG monitors that are that are going to come out, um, is like everybody's really excited about the idea of Apple coming out with a you know non pro display XDR external display, but I think like what's being missed in in those conversations is that like with the quality screens that Apple makes now because i mean they're not going to come out with an external display that's that's like worse than what they just put out in the laptops so if you think about a you know 27 inch display with you know the wide color gamut HDR high refresh rate etc like that that's going to be a it's going to be a really expensive monitor and you know maybe because it's not reference monitor quality it's not going to be you know six thousand dollars expensive like the xdr is but 
probably going to be like a few thousand dollars. And I, I'm oh, not fine. really sure that's what is going to make people happy. Like, I mean, that's not going to solve any problem for me. Uh, yeah, and, and, and this, you know, this, this LG monitor is actually a, a good example of that, where the 32-inch version's 4,000 and the 27-inch version's 3,000. Yeah. And you could you could totally imagine like Apple's monitor being kind of in that ballpark. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, like it, it's that six thousand dollars for a monitor without a stand is untenable. Whereas, like in the, do you remember? And again, this goes back to like my uh, like a childhood thing is like when the thirty inch Apple Cinema Display came out for the first time, and it was like twenty two hundred dollars in like two thousand four money. Like, yeah, that that was like a very, very impressive monitor. And if, if there was a very good one, like I, I would absolutely not bat an eye at having to spend $2,000 on a external 27 to 30 inch monitor. Three is a lot. Two, two is in the realm of reason. I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm not under the impression that an Apple standalone monitor would somehow be in the like the Dell Ultra Sharp or whatever whatever the thing over like anybody who thinks it's going to be five ninety five is is not thinking logically. Like back in the old days, like didn't didn't you have didn't you buy that like wasn't didn't Apple have a monitor that had like MagSafe coming out of it? Yeah, the the cinema display. Yeah, wasn't that one like eight hundred dollars back in like twenty ten money? Yeah, but that. Well, but I'm saying, like, think of that as the baseline, and that was a consumer monitor. So, therefore, a monitor for like semi pros being two to twenty five hundred dollars seems absolutely in the ballpark, and I'm okay with that. Like, I mean, obviously, I wish it was cheap. It was cheaper, but apparently, like, there is, I guess, there is nothing. So you don't really have a lot of choice. But I, I think the thing that people complain about is that, like, the XDR costs what, like. 2008 Hyundai Elantra like would cost like that like it it $6000 is an absurd amount for a monitor 2000 is more than most people would want a stomach but it's well in the but, realm but of reason but that's not what I don't think that's what Apple's monitor is going to be though well it has to be like 2 to 3000 like cuz then otherwise it's not cheaper enough than the XDR then just then this make a new XDR that just maybe has a slight price cut well, but that well, but that I guess that's that's what I'm saying is where we might be headed is 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 people have been clamoring for this less expensive monitor and we might get it, but it it may still be like three four thousand dollars where it's like hey it's not XDR expensive okay but but, the, but does it come with a stand? Sure, okay. yeah. So then three is okay. Yeah, but man, I mean that—that's that's a lot of money for a monitor. Yeah, but I have to, like I've had, I've, this iMac I'm sitting in front of is, other, like, if I had not touched an M1 or an Apple Silicon-based Mac, like this, the iMac's been the champ. I don't like I'm, like people people aren't replacing these every year. So if you have to spend that much money at once every five years, meh. I guess again, just tra- trade in the Peloton. <laughs> All right, hour thirty chef specials. Um, yeah, let, let's do it. I've I've got a a special one here to um commemorate episode three hundred. 
It's it's the Rode Podcaster, the microphone I've been using ever since the very beginning. I've had this microphone now for man. I I think we kind of started talking about doing this in like twenty like eleven maybe twenty twelve, and so I think I I bought this like way back then. So I've I've had this microphone for probably close to ten years now, and. It, it's great. I, I've it's been a hundred percent reliable. I've never had any kind of technical issues with it, and you know, as the one who edits these shows every week, like I, I listen back to at least parts of them, and you know, I think I think the audio quality on these things is is pretty darn good. So, yeah, Rode Podcaster. I and I, I there's lots of opinions on microphones, and I'm sure you know there's there's other options that sound just as good and are less expensive but yeah i really i really like it yeah it was it was uh i always forget what, what is it it's, it's always this called the blue yeti like that's the cheap one that people say like back in back in the early 2010s era of like podcast recommendations always like that was the cheap one then the road podcaster is the step up and then you're supposed to get the um the sure 57b or so whatever whatever the the marco microphone is but yeah it's been it's been it's been a reliable choice mm-hmm. um my pick and i already have this in the in the show doc is um so if you're a print subscriber to the chronicle you will get a annual um little magazine of the best photography of the year um, by all the photojournalists employed or contracted through the uh, San Francisco Chronicle. Um, I'm not a print subscriber, so I always have to buy this separately. But um, yeah, they have on their website a uh, retrospective published earlier this month of the best in photography of the year. And it's really fucking great. Um, Good way to capture all the stuff that's happened in California, especially the Bay Area. Um, It features a ton of work from probably my favorite favorite california-based photojournalist jessica christian and yeah it's it's good it's been a tumultuous year and it's yeah it's it was slightly more normal than last year but also not so what did you say you have to buy separately if you're not a print subscriber just like well so like physical it, prints it, of these yeah like so on my coffee table like i i i've actually bought it every year for the past five years is they actually make like a high quality like magazine version of the entire year in photo well not i mean like the the best of the year in photos if you happen to be a print subscriber in the um like one of the december sunday editions like it'll just be there but if you don't but if you aren't then you can go um to the sf chronicle store and just buy a copy there got it yeah, and I think, and as a Chronicle, if you're you're a paid Chronicle subscriber, you, I think you get yes, like twenty or twenty five percent off at the, at the store with some, thing. But I always forget which which week it is because I'm sure you could probably also just go to um to the Safeway and buy one for, whatever three dollars a Sunday edition costs. This uh this golden retriever puppy stealing the um the bingo card is is pretty darn good. Uh ninety six year old lost. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good yeah it's again it, it that that's the good part about it's it, it's it's been a year but there's enough there's a, there's a lot of serious stuff there's a lot of covid stuff but there's also like every like 15th thing is fun yeah yeah so we're checking out <laughs> 